0: Welcome to the Michael Myers Minute, where we delve into the 1978 horror classic Halloween one minute at a time. I'm your host, Robert Black. Minute 38 begins in the Myers Old Living Room. Sheriff Brackett has just noticed something with his flashlight and stopped Dr. Loomis from going up the stairs. But I just noticed our guest, Johnny Powers of Austin Powers Minute. So, welcome, Johnny.
1: Thank you for having me. Yeah,
0: thanks for being here. I
1: feel like a spooky ghost in the middle of this house. <laughs> That's a
0: good feeling, I think. Now, uh, shall we get two guest questions, get them out of the way right up front? You okay with that? Okay. You don't know what's coming, so you just have to be okay with it.
1: Like any good horror movie, Yeah. I don't know what's coming.
0: Uh, Number one, have you ever murdered anyone or do you plan to?
1: No to the first part of that question, and (laughs) I don't plan on it, so does that just make...
0: You're not ruling it out.
1: I'm just not premeditated? (laughs) I'm I'm just not premeditated at this point in life.
0: Keep your options open. It's good. But I'm not ruling it out. Number two. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite, actually maybe you haven't seen them, I was going to say Michael Myers movie, but or Mike Myers movie since you're Austin Powers minute?
1: Um, the movie that I'm recording
0: right now, The Spy Me. That's the s- second one? Mm-hmm. Okay. It's been a while. I think I haven't seen any of those since they were in theaters.
1: Well, we got to get on that. I think
0: I saw each one once.
1: <laughs> just single time. Yeah.
0: Let's get to all of them again. So Spy Who Shagged Me is your favorite Mike Myers movie or favorite Austin Powers movie?
1: Well, favorite Austin Powers movie, or both. probably favorite Mike Myers movie. M- Wayne's World is a close second.
0: Nice. My favorite would probably be So I Married an Ex Murderer. Would be what? So I Married an Ex Murderer.
1: Ah, uh, well. Some okay. So I was actually at the bar last night. Okay. And one of my I told my friends that i was gonna be on this podcast and they're like oh my gosh that's perfect because you should have seen this movie too and i was like okay i'm writing all these down that i need to watch too
0: oh you haven't seen that one
1: no see that's even better like i'm definitely gonna watch both of those movies this one then i'm we're currently minuting right now and then that one as well because i think i've got enough courage in my life now to watch this movie maybe
0: halloween Yes, listeners, Johnny has not actually seen Halloween all the way through.
1: Sorry, spoilers.
0: <laughs> I will try not to ruin too much of what's coming for you.
1: Oh, it's okay.
0: <laughs> Most of
1: conventional pop culture has <laughs> done it already, so.
0: Yeah. Um, Number three, who would win in a fight, Mike Myers or Michael Myers?
1: I feel like this is a biased answer. <laughs> you know what? No, I'm gonna go with it. It's gonna considering
0: be- Michael Myers isn't even in your minutes. I'm okay with your answer.
1: If if this was posited very differently, then maybe I would say Mike Myers. But I think Michael Myers would win, <laughs> just because Mike Myers, at least as Austin Powers, is only bolstered up by the female spies that are with him because he would have killed himself a long time ago on accident
0: although they could probably kill michael myers for him yeah probably
1: as long as he had an entourage he'd probably be okay
0: because that's the whole point in the slasher film you know the final girl gets kills the bad guy so if he's got help Mm -hmm. so as the minute begins uh bracket finds a dead dog on the floor so sad there's a great musical bit here with I actually don't know what the instrument is a triangle or a chime of some sort but I like it.
1: It's very eerie.
0: Yeah it just chimes a couple times and chimes a couple more. <laughs> it's all fairly quiet for a while and their assumption here is that Michael has killed this dog to eat it.
1: Interesting. Yeah. I'm thinking like in terms of like most true crime things they don't eat the, the animal they kill they just kill it to kill it or torture it
0: well he has since you haven't seen the movie last night he escaped a mental hospital he's been in okay. for 15 years and so somehow he broke out he managed to kill a mechanic and steal his clothes and then came to back to Haddonfield his hometown where 15 years ago he killed his older sister
1: so is he at like I guess he's post- mental facility escalation of like you start with killing a dog and then you kill people
0: it's a good way to think of it um i think they've shown us that he killed the mechanic though none of the characters know it happened we saw the dead body earlier Mm. um okay but this would be the first kill that dr loomis here knows happened and this would be the first sign that sheriff Brackett has that loomis is even right that michael is here because someone was in this house today and killed a dog So in a way, yeah, it's a setup for them to know for sure he's been around. Mm -hmm. In terms of psychology, not so much because it's hard to put that kind of psychology onto Michael because he's more of like a mindless force of nature in a way. Okay. As you'll see in the speech coming up with Loomis talking about him as like purely and simply evil. He's bigger than that.
1: But yeah. Interesting. I really like all these shots. Like low lighting interesting angles yeah like the the staircase specifically
0: that's from just remind the listeners that's director of photography dean cundy was famous for this film especially
1: yeah it's just like it adds to the creepy element of it's like you're just ahead of them yeah like physically not in terms of plot but just like just ahead of them and like you're watching them experience it
0: johnny for your edification this is one of the first movies to use uh which is kind of the same as a modern steadicam where the camera is mounted to the cameraman he can walk around with it and so that's what they're doing here is the cameraman is basically walking up those stairs backward to get those shots okay
1: so that would clearly make sense of how i feel the shot feels (laughs) it's like
0: we're in those in that room with them we're in those stairs with them walking up there we're stuck in this location that This is how the house looked in 1978. It was an abandoned house that the movie found and used for the film. For the opening sequence, they actually cleaned up the house, painted the outside, added some furniture. But most of the time that they were filming, it looked like this, with the stripped wallpaper and the scraped away paint, broken windows, creaky stairs.
1: I noticed that they're, again, me not being very familiar with the movie, it's like they're using the music and the silence to speak. There's not a lot of dialogue. Right. And I don't find it to be like super necessary for there to be a lot of dialogue. It's just you never really know how the sound, like how much it's going to be like super creepy until you start watching the movie.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And this is what minute 38, so Mm -hmm. normally you'd have a good build up to get to this creepy moment where you're in this house. We already have, we've already seen the murder they're about to talk about in this house. That's what started the film. Some nice creaky stair sound effects. Great use of the Panaglide camera, as I said. Instead of like just cutting to them being in the bedroom, we go with them up the stairs and pass through the bedroom on the left, which is actually, I got a note for the listeners, it's a little strange that Loomis and Brackett enter Judy's bedroom through Michael's because no one would know that's how he,
1: Are they like a Jack and Jill?
0: Well, no. But in the opening sequence, Michael walks through his own bedroom, which is the first door, to get to his sister's bedroom. Mm -hmm. If you don't know that's what he did, which no one would know that, you wouldn't go through his room. You'd walk over to her room. Because this house is tiny. Mm -hmm. Those two bedrooms shouldn't be connected. I don't know why anyone designed it that way. This house was made in, I think it's 1888 it had no bathrooms, no kitchen. The kitchen had to be added for the movie, and it's the upper floor is just four little tiny bedrooms. But for some reason, these two bedrooms are connected by a door, even though there's no space for that.
1: That's weird. Could it have been not been like intended to be a bedroom?
0: I don't know what else it would have been in, in like more, the eighteen hundreds,
1: like a parlor.
0: Maybe, maybe it was supposed to be attached like to the bedroom. It would be some sort of yeah extra parlor attached to it. I don't know. It's so small, it, it's hard to gauge because people that would have a parlor should have a bigger house. But well, <laughs> at the time this house was built, I don't know if there was anything around it in South Pasadena. South Pasadena built up slowly.
1: Weird. But even still, like even though this house is tiny, it feels bigger. And I know it's because of like the blankness.
0: Yeah, there's no furniture. And
1: the lighting. But it just...
0: No decoration.
1: Yeah. It just feels more... Cavernous. There we go. I was like, what word am I looking for? <clears throat> um but I guess like your house takes on the character of the people who live there. Yeah. So it would feel cavernous because of like death, probably.
0: Yeah, this is a house where fifteen years ago a six year old killed his sister. The parents died two years later and this house has remained empty ever since. And it's just been falling apart because no one in town wants to buy it.
1: And now everyone, well, not everyone, there's a, a large group of people who want to buy houses that people have been murdered.
0: <laughs> yeah, in the context of the, the novelization of the film, there's a couple from New York who actually want to buy the house, but no one in town wants mm-hmm. it. In the movie, they don't mention that. They do leave the keys for someone to look at the house, so we can assume it's that same couple, but we never see them. As far as we know, this is, no one goes here until the second film where a mob goes here because they know that Michael has come back to town, and they go and break all the windows surround the place.
1: So, okay. I just find it, is there a reason why they went to the second floor?
0: This is where he killed his sister.
1: But is it for the doctor yeah. well, to the, go there?
0: yes. It's actually a good question without context of the movie because there isn't much reason for them to go here. They had no reason to think Michael was in this house. That they found the dog and have a sign that he is in the house just delays them from finding him later because Dr. Loomis ends up just lingering near the house until at that point three more people have been killed. But it's more it's like the doctor is um the phrase uh, I think that it's folklore people that use this legend tripping. Like, the doctor went to the cemetery where Judith was buried. There's not much reason for him to do that, but in this context of the movie, it's because we need to know that Michael stole his sister's gravestone. And it's kind of the doctor is visiting places that might have mattered to Michael, mm. even though Michael never, I assume, went to the funeral because he was locked up.
1: I'm thinking maybe it's like. Oh, maybe it's like for him to, because he's working with the cop.
0: Yeah, he's trying to.
1: (laughs) Loosely. So maybe it's to work out like a profile, almost.
0: It could be, or he's trying to explain the profile to the sheriff. Okay. He's trying trying to convince the sheriff that Michael has come back to town and is going to kill someone. Okay. They don't know who, but he assumes Michael's evil and dangerous. The sheriff doesn't even believe he's there, because it's 150 miles from the hospital, where he's been for 15 years. You know, he shouldn't have been able to drive, but he stole a car. If
1: you're determined, you can do anything.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Last night, he stole a car and drove, and he made it to Haddonfield. Loomis is convinced this is what happened, because he's just convinced of it. He believes Michael is capable of anything. The sheriff doesn't believe it. So yeah, maybe he's trying to form a profile for the sheriff, get him to believe Michael's here. He came to this house because this is where he killed his sister. Mm-hmm.
1: It's, I guess, it's also like you're you're saying like legend tripping, in terms of like explaining it to the audience. So, it I guess it could be a function of both. It's like the doctor is trying to like narrate the story to the audience as well as the sheriff
0: a little bit although we saw this murder this is how the movie started
1: oh okay okay so it's or you know for people like me jumping in at minute 38
0: (laughs) yeah it also is you haven't seen the whole thing so you don't know dr loomis while being really important to the story barely matters to the plot he shows up and tells people michael's coming and then just waits around until michael's already killed a few people because that's when he finds him So it's basically a way of keeping Loomis in the movie. Have him stop at the grave, have him stop at the house, have him talk to the sheriff so that we remember that Loomis exists. Otherwise, he's going to disappear for most of the movie.
1: He's not a very proactive doctor.
0: He's trying to be. He is chasing down his own patient. He has, you'll see, I think it's in the next minute, he has a gun on him. He's ready. He just doesn't know where Michael is, so he's just guessing.
1: Like watching this on a loop.
0: <laughs> yeah, I love doing that. Just let the minute run and see what happens.
1: I'm I'm going to reiterate it like in the next two minutes, but the sheriff is a very poor actor. <laughs> okay. He kind of reminds me of like, I don't even know, like just poor, like... Just poor acting, like somebody who's trying too hard, and it comes across as like, oh, well, now I'm monotone because I'm trying too hard.
0: I think for the 70s, it must have worked because his IMDb, you find he played a lot of, he was on a lot of cop shows in the 70s where he'd like guest star, and so something was working, (laughs) and he's in several John Carpenter movies, Uh, Charlie, his name is Charlie Cyphers.
1: Maybe you just need like a deadpan sheriff. That's his typecast.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's his character, yeah. Because
1: like the doctor is like very thoughtful and theatrical, and even his facial expressions, yeah. When he's explaining things, so like keep him in the movie.
0: <laughs> well, they do, and he becomes even more important as the like as the sequels happen. Yeah, he's a main part of the second and the fourth and the fifth and the sixth. Uh, listeners, by the way. If you're anywhere in Southern California, Charlie Cyphers, who she's talking about, is going to be at the convention this weekend.
1: Yeah? That's cool.
0: There's a 40th anniversary convention this weekend in Pasadena.
1: Everybody go. The,
0: yeah, a bunch of people from this movie are going to be there.
1: Oh, cool. What are you most excited about at the convention? Oh,
0: man. Um, I haven't been to any convention related to Halloween before, so meeting any of these people would be cool. Um, But... Just talking about the movie, just like I'm doing here with like, a, you're a guest who hasn't even seen the movie. <laughs> talking to you brings out interesting things. Finding some new people to talk to and meeting who's going to be there. P.J. Souls is going to be there. Nick Castle, who plays Michael, or plays the shape. Sandy Johnson, who plays his sister in the opening. Oh my! Wow. I'm looking <laughs> at the guests, and it's like everybody. I believe it's like 14 different people who have played Michael throughout all of the movies or something like that, that are going to be there, which is, it would be cool just to be in a room with that because the fans are going to be crazy. I'm not one of the crazy fans who has a collection of Michael masks (laughs) or anything like that, but I know those fans will be at this convention and it's going to be fun.
1: You're going to have a blast. There's going to be a lot of cosplayers probably. Yeah. Everybody's
0: I've seen people on Instagram that showing off their costumes and their masks and everything else. That's wonderful. So yeah, that should be fun. And I'll mention it again in a couple episodes, but I will try to record some stuff either at the convention or afterward about it and insert it on short notice into episodes coming up. Listeners should understand in reality, we're recording long before these dates. I insert stuff sometimes.
1: Well, it's just you got to do it sometimes. (laughs)
0: I inserted something at like 10 p.m. the night before the episode was supposed to go up a few episodes ago because I had like a correction or something. I don't even remember what it was. I just remember getting on a thing and having to change the recording and change the mix, change the upload for iTunes. That's where
1: editing becomes fantastic.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Edit really fast.
1: So is there... I guess I just noticed this. Am I seeing things because the lighting is very dim, or is there one
0: window that's open? There might be a window that's open. I don't have it running on my Uh, screen right now.
1: So it's literally like, I can't tell because you know how like window frames break down and everything, but I think the right window is
0: open. It might be. I know one of them's broken, or is about to be broken. No, it's about to be broken. Never mind. Spoilers. (laughs)
1: Yeah, so it looks like, and the cop notices it, and the doctor notices it, but it's almost like incidental that, oh, there's a window open, I guess, it's an abandoned house, it doesn't really matter.
0: Yeah. Well, in in the novelization, earlier, Michael was up in this room looking out the window, so he could have done it. In the movie, we don't see him up there. But yeah, it definitely looks like the window on the right is open.
1: Just tiny little things that so you notice.
0: <laughs> so... From the script, Loomis and Brackett cautiously step into the bedroom, the same room where the murder took place 15 years ago. Uh, it mentions a glow from a distant streetlight. We don't really get that. that casts a shadow of blowing trees on the walls. Listeners would know the script involves a lot of wind that doesn't make it into the movie because their budget was too low. Loomis says it happened in here and the minute ends. That is all for minute 38. Johnny, if the listeners would like to stalk you, how may they do so?
1: Oh, cool. Um just creep me all over social media, I guess. You can go on Facebook and look up Austin Powers minute, and you can follow me on Twitter as well. Um through you just figure out. You can stalk me so well that you can find my personal page, I guess. <laughs> it's not very hard, but you can and you can follow me. On Twitter, at Austin Powers Min. And of course, please listen to the pod. It's a different Mike Myers. Still a good Mike Myers. Very different movie.
0: Very different. And you can stalk me on Twitter and Facebook, at Myers Minute. Or Instagram, where I've been having a lot of fun lately, Michael Myers Minute. Or join the Facebook listeners group, 45 Lampkin Lane. Don't forget to subscribe. Leave a nice review if you like what you hear. Until next time. See you later. I think I have it in a note for next. It's also
1: functioning. Go ahead. Oh. Yeah? Go ahead. Oh no, go ahead. I
0: was just gonna say I think um, I've a i, I have I think it's a...
1: like function. <laughs> it's
0: okay, we'll edit Oh my goodness. Now. You go. <laughs> oh, I'll edit goodness. that out later.
1: Okay. Okay. Um